0: Are you looking to wager on all the big games in sports? Well, I have amazing news for you. Our friends at Bet Online, they're getting it done. They continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments and more at Bet Online plus your NFL futures. And hey, it's your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including the live betting, including the fan favorite Vegas Casino and poker games and hey it's really easy to set it up okay get started now head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and use our promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts
1: it's officially ice cream season in Central New York. And the locally owned and operated Carvel in North Syracuse welcomes you to come in all May long and try their strawberry banana twist. Everything at Carvel of North Syracuse is made fresh. So no matter what kind of treat or design you want, they make it happen. Carvel is open seven days a week. Brewerton Road, North Syracuse. America's favorite since 1934. And now offering strawberry banana twists soft serve all May long. So treat yourself to some Carvel. What's going on, everybody? Paul Bissonnette here from the Spit and Chicklets podcast and now the TNT broadcast. I just want to give everybody a shout out and make sure you tune in to the ML Sports Platter.
0: The ML Sports Platter is back with you all over the major platforms. Go ahead and download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. You can hit me on Twitter as well, at Sports. We've been hitting some huge numbers the last month, month and a half, so keep sharing, keep listening, keep downloading, and uh, follow the show uh, on your smartphone device where you get podcasts all over the place. We are brought to you by Burn Dairy, Stanley Law Offices, Bowers & Company CPAs. And our terrific friends over at Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare, Route 11 in Cicero. If you're in and around the central New York area, bring your pup for a day of play at Barks and Rec. They also have overnight stays if you're uh, you know heading out for a little quick weekend trip. Uh, they will uh, wash and bathe your dog if needed as well. Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare, the official doggy daycare of the ML Sports Platter. And I do want to throw a tip of the cap thank you as well to the Swan and Whitaker families as well as Rosie's Corner and Burton Ace Hardware for their support of the platform. Uh, in a few minutes, I'm going to play a crossover episode from the Pandemonium podcast. I had Mike Catalan on. He's been covering the Buffalo Bills for decades, and we got into all sorts of great things, OTAs, breakout players this year, um, you know, the slot receiver position, how that's looking, the offensive line, how good they can be, uh, you know, the potential of some of the rookies. Uh, Mike gets into his favorite draft pick. Um, So all of that is upcoming. That is a crossover episode from the Pandemonium Podcast and the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. But I wanted to spend a couple of minutes here before that and just kind of get into Tiger Woods and, you know, what's next for Tiger Woods. Um, I think that Tiger came back too early. Now listen, there's no one, you, me, media, okay, other media, uh, family, friends, nobody's going to tell Tiger Woods what to do. Okay. He's his own guy. He's a billionaire. Okay. He's the greatest golfer of all time. Um, nobody's going to tell him what to do. Uh, if he wants to play, if he wants to gut through it, if he wants to play and deal with pain, then he's going to do it. Um, and I feel like he did do that uh, at the PGA championship. And, you know, I think he, he, you know, obviously I think he paid for it. Um, you know, I I thought coming back from you know that soon to just play the Masters, I thought was really really a tall order. And then you know he proved us wrong by you know playing and having a great first day and then making the cut and then he was brutal over the weekend. But I just thought to myself, he's just out there to prove that he can swing the club a little bit, uh, swing the clubs, and he's not going to win this tournament. Uh, people thought, oh maybe after Thursday, ooh, maybe. I never once thought that he could. Um, because I just didn't think his body would hold up for four days. And that was what happened. He goes to the PGA, you know, he's slogging through, he's hanging in, um, you know, and, and obviously it was just a really, really, um, you know, hard, hard round for him. Um, you know, round one was certainly, um, you know, he started bogey, bogey, then he went birdie, bogey, and then bogey, bogey on eight and nine. And then he birdies 10 and 14. You're sitting here going, okay. You know, here we go again with Tiger. He's battling through. You know, uh, at that point, um, you know, you're looking at one, two, three, four, five. You look at two over, and then he had, you know, he had the two bogeys on 15 and 17. That was round one, and you could just tell his body. You know, he had he had kind of wrenched his uh, his his ankle and lower body area, and he was really struggling there. Uh, round two, he actually looked stronger on the front nine. I think. I mean, he had the birdie on. He went par, 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 and then a birdie on five. And then par par and then bogey shot even on, on the front, right? And then on the back, he went birdie, double bogey, par birdie, par par birdie, par par. Um, so if you take those numbers, he shot one under on the back. Um and uh and 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 one under overall, um, which was pretty good. So you're sitting there going, okay, he shoots 70, right? He shoots 69. Um, excuse me, he shoots 74, and then he shoots 69. So after the first two rounds, you're sitting there going, "Okay, four over." He clips it down to, uh, uh, you know, to to, to three over. Makes the cut. Um, you know what's happening with round three, and then bam, boom, uh, all sorts of problems happen for Tiger. Physically, you could tell he was not looking good. Uh, he goes par, bogey, par, par, par. Then triple bogeys the sixth, the par three. He bogeys seven, pars eight, bogeys nine. And then he starts out the back nine, bogey, 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 bogey. And you could just tell he just he couldn't get around. I mean, he, he couldn't get around the course. Par and then a, a, just another, again, guts and will to get a birdie on 15. And then par, 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 he shoots nine over uh, in round three. And then he withdraws from the PGA Championship, um, you know, due to probably the just the overall physical beating that his body took in this tournament, and I just felt like it was a little much. I thought that it was a little much for him to play in the Masters and the PGA. Um, I have to say, I mean, I think one thing that Tiger, you know, I think one thing that he does want, um, he's not going to break Jack's record now, but I've said this a bunch. I think that Tiger Woods, again, he only needs one more win on the PGA Tour to be the all-time winningest golfer he's tied right now with 82 with Sam Snead, okay? So I'm just thinking to myself, wouldn't it have made sense to for Tiger Woods? And again, you me anybody else, friends, family, whoever, nobody's going to tell Tiger Woods what to do. But it made a lot of sense from from my vantage point to you know, take a look at the calendar. The Masters you know, don't you're not gonna play in a tournament before that, anyways. Um, you know, you had the Masters, the RBC Heritage, the Zurich Classic. I mean, I I just feel like maybe one of these tournaments would would have been better for Tiger to come back. Um, you know, even the PGA Championship, it's the hardest field in golf. You know, maybe maybe just could have centered on the Charles Schwab last week. You know, or maybe wait all the way until you know, June and, you know, you have the Canadian Open. You know, you could play in the John Deere Classic, right? You could play in the Barbasol Championship. Um, you know, I obviously he wants to play the Open Championship. That's his favorite course. He knows it like the back of his hand. He might have a fighter's chance in that one because it is flat, although people are forgetting that what happens when he hits it in the bunker? It's still going to be a lot of stress and pain on his lower body when he's in those positions in the sand dunes, um, you know. But like the Rocket Mortgage Classic, like it seems like it makes sense to you know, it just makes sense for him to play in a few of those to come back and then play the Open Championship as the only major this year, and, and, and then just start over uh, for 2023. It just made to me it may, makes a lot of sense to do that. Um, it would have it would have made a lot of sense for him um you know maybe you play maybe you play two tournaments to, to to tune up for the open um against weaker fields and all the rest maybe courses that you can take advantage of uh you know and, and 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 steal a win um and i think next year he should he should do the same thing i mean he'll play in all the majors next year assuming his health uh you know improves at some point between now and january of 2023 um uh, but i i would have almost you know the i mean here's a, here's a great example the Travelers Championship is, you know, June 23rd to the 26th, right? I mean, it would have made a lot of sense for Tiger maybe to play, um, you know, maybe maybe the Travelers and then the John Deere rest up a little bit and then go to St. Andrews, right? You go, go a little early uh, in the middle of July, but you have a couple of tune-up tournaments in June. Then you come back in July and you could play, you know, you could play the 3M Open, the Barracuda. You could play the Rocket Mortgage. You could play Wyndham. Uh, The big three at the end, FedEx St. Jude Championship, BMW, and Tour Championship, uh, which Tiger won uh, a couple of years ago, um, will probably be tournaments he wants to participate in. I don't know if he will, but he wants to. Um, I don't know. It just seemed like it made a lot of sense to bail on the Masters and the PGA because of the difficulty of getting around, how soon it was from the injuries, the difficulty of the fields particularly. Uh, in the PGA, uh, have a couple of those tournaments under your belt, then play San Andrews and play maybe one or two, and then figure out those last three uh, towards the end of the calendar. But it, it just did not make sense for me to come for him to come back. Um, you know, it was uh, really something to behold to watch him make the cut at the Masters. But you know, to think that that guy could have, you know, held on, um, I, I just I don't see it. Um, I didn't see it then. I don't see it now over the course of four days. I don't, it's St. Andrews or anywhere I'd be damned. Um, I, I, just don't know. And you know, now he's 46, he's going to be 47 in December. And you know how this goes, right? Like every single year now, the older you get, the harder everything is. Right. And so it's already hard enough for Tiger Woods right now. It's going to be very, very hard for him at 47, 48, 49, 50. I don't know if he'll try to play on the PGA tour, uh, in his fifties, I think, that um, the Champions Tour is probably out for him because I think it would just be a complete waste of time uh, because it's not like he would go to the Champions Tour with a really solid PGA Tour career, go to the Champions Tour and try to solidify some kind of a legacy. Dude's already the greatest of all time, you know, and I know he doesn't have as many major wins as Jack Nicholas, but he's the greatest of all time. Sometimes you don't have to be, in my book, the leader in certain categories to be the GOAT, Um you know, Jim Brown is the GOAT for me in football, and he's not, he's nowhere near the top of the rushing leaders, uh, basically because he retired early. Um, but Nicholas, uh, you know, for as great as Jack was, he didn't dominate the way Tiger did. Uh, he didn't have the Tiger Slam, uh, all the money and the purses and everything that changed with Tiger, the workout thing, the global impact, the global game uh, that it really became with Tiger Woods, you know, uh, Nike, uh, you know, the ball, ball and club tricks. Uh, all the things, the brand of Tiger Woods, um, the player Tiger Woods, all the wins, 82 of them in all, tied with Sam Snead all-time, uh, 15 majors. You know, I mean, the player of the year, um, you know, so many times. I mean, it, it's it's pretty ridiculous. So, um, But what's next for him? I, I would like to see one tournament being played before the Open Championship, play the Open, then maybe one after that, and then uh, – one, two, or three of the tournaments there at the end to close out the year. Mike Lindsley with you here. It's the ML Sports Platter all over the major platforms. Download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five star review. We are brought to you by our great friends at the Al and Angus Pub, home of the best star in Angus Burger in town, before and after all the big events. In central New York, get on over to the Al and Angus Pub. This place is amazing. Burgers, wraps, homemade French onion soup, salads, and more great draft beer as well. It is the Al and Angus Pub on Harrison Street. And oh, by the way, they just got new swag in, so you can get some uh, shirts and hats while you're at the pub as well. The Al and Angus Pub is the official pub of the ML Sports Platter. Tip of the cap, thank you as well to Matt Graham, your State Farm agent, as well as Bowers & Company, CPAs, Burn Dairy, and... Camillus Golf Club. Go get your membership today to Camillus. Play Camillus if you're in and around the state of New York, and of course, 18 holes of championship golf. Great food and drink before, during, and after your round. And you can also book your tournament there as well. Camillus Golf Club is the official golf course of the ML Sports Platter. Well, as promised at the beginning of the program, I'm going to play you right now a Pandemonium podcast crossover from the Built in Buffalo podcast network. Mike Catalana. The Buffalo Bills insider from the awesome city of Rochester joined the show, and we got into everything from OTAs to Josh Allen to the strength of the offensive line to Mike's favorite draft pick to expectations uh, in 2022 uh, to, to the Jordan Poyer situation and on and on. We covered it all, A to Z Buffalo Bills. Here's Mike Catalana on the Pandemonium Podcast, part of the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. It's
1: your boy DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network.
0: What's up, Bills Mafia? I'm your host, Mike Lindsley. Make sure you hit me on Twitter, at MikeLSports, and follow us all over the social channels here with the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. We are growing Each and every day. So make sure you follow us at builtinbuffalo underscore. uh, And you'll get awesome compilation videos. Every touchdown of Josh Allen's 2021 campaign was just put together. Articles galore, content galore, shows galore, you name it. It's seven days a week Buffalo Bills coverage. So make sure you do, in fact, follow us all over the place on social media. I am thrilled to bring on the Pandemonium podcast uh, a good pal of mine. He's been crushing it, covering the Buffalo Bills for decades. Uh, 13 Wham and Fox Rochester Sports Director, He's covered over 500 Bills games, so he's he's been in it for a long, long time. I respect him a great deal. It is, of course, Mike Catalana on Twitter, at Mike Catalana. Mikey, how are you, bud?
1: Good. Good to hear from you, Mike. All good here.
0: OTAs for the Bills. What, what do you think was the goal heading in? What, was, you know, what needed to be accomplished?
1: You know, I think it, there's some transitioning coaching-wise, and I think that's a big part of it. Look, um, we can make a big deal about some of the veterans and, you know, who's there, who's not there. Uh, but I think it's more about comfort level for the coaches and, and let's be honest, the newer players, too, the coming in, sort of getting a head start. You know, sometimes we we can look at these circumstances like an OTA and be like, come on, it's, you know, it's May. Like, what are you getting done? Well, what it's doing is sort of getting some of the legwork out of the way so that you're you know, hitting the ground running in July when camp gets here. So um, yeah, I still think that's an important part. And like I said, coaching wise, this is this is the biggest transition we've had in a little while.
0: Yeah, absolutely is. Um, you know, last year we talked a long time about what bills need to take the next step, um, and, and, and by doing that, there's a clear overall production increase on both sides of the ball. And the two names that came up a lot were Dawson Knox on offense and Ed Oliver on defense. I, I feel like both of them did that last yep. year. What about now the same question but different names here going into 2022?
1: You know who the guy is I'm looking at defensively, and I think it can be uh massive help for them, is uh, Greg Rousseau. Yep. Yep. And he showed those flashes. But, um, you know, he's a guy who had not played a lot of football. And, and all of a sudden, he's on the field, you know, with this team, and you'd see those moments. He made a few plays, and you're like, you got to see some of that. you got Von Miller on the other side now. Um, boy, I just think he can be such an impactful player on that defensive line. And we've talked about it a lot where Von Miller is the first guy on this D-line in this McDermott era that I believe the opponent is game-planning for. Right? It just hasn't yeah. happened. They're not sitting there going – Hmm. You know, we got to stop Jerry Hughes, or we got to even say an Ed Oliver, and it certainly hasn't happened with the other guys. But I think Von Miller's going to be that guy, and I think that's going to open things up for Rousseau defensively. And I really do believe uh, that that would make a massive. You know, think about the shift for what Brandon Bean has been attempting to do over the last four years, and now all of a sudden you've got a Hall of Famer on one side who is still so good, and a young first-round pick with all the physical tools in the world on the other side, I think the D-line can be much more impactful than it's been in the past. And offensively, look, it's funny to say this because the guy is coming off one of the great games in franchise history, one of the great games in NFL playoff history, but I'm saying Gabriel Davis only because he's not the extra guy anymore. He's a guy. He's one of the guys. And I think he can take that step. And that's what I think we want to see out of him, right? I mean, we saw that incredible game against the Chiefs. But, I, you know, you want, I want to look at him on a weekly basis, the stuff that Diggs has been doing, right? And, you know, no Sanders out there, no Cole Beasley out there. It's changes in the offense. I want to see Gabe Davis become that guy offensively.
0: Mike, when you look at Ken Dorsey and, you know, his play calling and and some change. You mentioned the new coaching and, and he's obviously yeah. at the front of the line. Does the offense add anything? How different is it? How similar is it? You know, he's never play called before. How do you feel about his year one overall and and within that offensive structure, how much it changes or stays from Brian Dable's play calling?
1: I think there's going to be a lot of similarities to what Brian Dable did. He's going to call the plays a little differently. Um, You know, he's still deciding where he's going to be. It's interesting because, you know, we know Dable started out up in the booth and then eventually came down on the field. I mean, uh, the other way around, went from the field and then went up to the booth. Dorsey says he's not sure yet. My guess is, you know, he he does believe in a lot of the same things that Brian Dable did. I mean, let's be honest. Dable was his guy. Dable tried to hire him with the Giants, so you know they're, at least in a large part, in lockstep that way. But I keep thinking of this. Brian Dable had been with the team for four years, and that offense evolved as the season went on. So while we are going to get some clues when it starts, I thought the Bills' offense looked a lot different in September than it did in December. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of funny the way it worked out, but when they became a more physical team, ran the ball a little more effectively and a little more, it just opened up the floodgates for the past game. I mean, look at what this team did offensively in the playoffs, the, the end of the regular season and then the playoffs. And that was an evolution from what they were earlier in the year when it was really only Josh Allen running the ball. So um, I think Dorsey's, you know, I'm sure there'll be a little bit of growing pains, and he isn't specifically calling the plays before, but he's been in the process with them. He knows what's in front of him and working with Josh Allen will help. So. Uh, there'll be tweaks of it but I think relatively speaking especially when you start out with 17 as your quarterback I think the transition will be pretty smooth
0: yeah no doubt about it Mike Catalano with us the Buffalo Bills insider been doing it for quite a long time and of course you can follow him on Twitter at Mike Catalano over 500 Bills games covered uh in uh in western New York and uh doing his thing with Fox Rochester and 13 wham um Josh Allen, if, if he were ever to deliver a championship to Buffalo, what, would he just immediately become, and I know the names, hockey and, and football, I know the, Bob Lanier, I, all of them from Buffalo, playing in Buffalo, from, from executives to coaches to players all the way on down, all the Hall of Famers, all the big names. But would he all of a sudden just vault to number one because of the championship from not only a popularity standpoint, but from a legacy standpoint, would we be able to just do that immediately?
1: I kind of think we would. Oh, my god. And this is no disrespect to
0: those no, guys. No, of course. I mean, yeah.
1: see, you know, when I go back, <laughs> bills-wise, to that group, it's funny because I was there for all those games, and I think about the winning. You know, they're known in a big picture as a team that didn't win because they didn't, did not win the Super Bowl. I just remember so many wins and so many big moments. And the game was a different game than what they're playing now, the offensively. I mean, Jim Kelly was phenomenal in that offense. But the game was different, How, you know, than it is now. Josh Allen is the prototypical quarterback for what any team in the league would want. Uh, and so talent-wise, Jim, was, Jim is a Hall of Famer, and he's the all-time quarterback for the franchise. But talent-wise and skill-wise, Josh Allen is one of the most talented players I've ever seen play the position, let alone just in Buffalo. Now, he hasn't done what he needs to do in order to become that guy. But the one thing Jim couldn't do and Thurman and Bruce and Andre and that whole group was get over the hump and win it. And we have that feeling, don't we, that if this team wins it, it's going to be because of Josh Allen, Mm -hmm. right? You know, there's guys who you can win with. There's guys who win the games for you. Josh Allen is that guy. He was the best player in the playoffs last year. It's just a shame he didn't get two more games to show it. And I believe fully that that team would have won the Super Bowl if they beat the Chiefs. They were better than the Bengals. They were better than the Rams. I think they would have won it. So it was set up for him last year. If he does it now, yeah, I think he's going to become that number one guy, and and his legacy will always be the guy that broke through.
0: Mike, the slot receiver position is very fascinating for me because I I just look at you know the addition of Jamison Crowder. He's on a one year deal. You have McKenzie back, Khalil Shakir. People love you know out of Boise. He's a very shifty kind of perfect player for this Bills offense. How, how do you slice up the pie percentage wise? Is it is it a, a Two-horse race with Shakir behind Crowder and McKenzie, you know, is, is, it, is it 50, 30, 20? How, where do you land with the slot?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, based on what they've, they've been put on the field, I think it's Jamison Crowder's job to start. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie will have his role um, because he can do some different things. He'll have moments there. I mean, even Gabriel Davis lines up in the slot and has done it before because he can play all, all three, really, positions at the wide receiver spot. Uh, I'm I'm a big proponent of what Shakir can become for them. And look, we've seen it happen where a guy just steps on the field and he starts making plays, and it's a, what do they call it, a meritocracy in the NFL, right? If you do it, you're going to get that time on the field. But my guess would be he is a fifth-round pick. Uh, he's got a lot still to learn in this league. And Jamison Crowder has been doing it for a while and, and been effective. So my guess would be Crowder steps into that role um, with, with uh, Isaiah McKenzie getting some of that time. But I, I think it'll be really interesting to see how Shakir looks when we get into the competitive part of you know preseason games and it just training camp alone because I think he has the ability to do it. Now, in all likelihood, in their mind, it's a transition thing that maybe it's a year away for a guy like that, which would make a lot of sense, but I think he's going to find himself in roles on the field. I think they, I think they believe pretty big in, in what he can do, but I think it's Crowder's job to lose.
0: What pick in the NFL draft did you like the most? For the bills? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, it was the Shakir pick and I had them taking him a little bit higher. Hmm. Uh, but I will say this, uh, I think Elam as a number one pick, you know, when you you take a guy number one, you're like, okay, you took him number one. I've just been waiting for them to address that cornerback position. Uh, We've talked before. I, I liked Levi Wallace. I thought Levi Wallace was a good player, but it was more to the point of there's this undrafted guy who hasn't been beaten out yet, and he maintains his job. Because let's be honest, from the time even before Brandon Bean came, they invested a number one pick in Trey White, and they hadn't really done that at the corner position. I mean, look—he's you know, Levi's fighting off you know, Dane Jackson and Cam Lewis. They had not invested highly in another corner, and I think that time was here. Uh, you know, it was the time to do that, especially with Trey coming off his injury. So I like the Shakir pick for the value of it and where they got him because I thought they they could have needed to try to get him earlier, and, it, and he ended up being there. But I like them taking a corner with a high draft pick, and I know Bean has said things like, you know, you draft a guy high, and then everybody's got their eyes on him, and if he's not stepping up right away, and I'm like, he's right, but come on, draft the guy, get him on the field, and I think he's going to be a starter day one. I think it's just set up for him, so um, that's a big pick for them, absolutely, because this is not a rotation guy on the D-line like Rousseau was last year. This is a guy who, in all likelihood, is going to be, you know, should be starting against the Rams week one.
0: Offensive line potential. How, how good could this group be this year?
1: Yeah, I think they're going to be good. I, I like the, the transition to a more physical line uh, from what they did, and I really do think Spencer Brown had a lot to do with that. Uh, I thought Mitch Morris' play was really good last year. It was kind of went through a weird transition over the last two years where there was some thought that maybe he wasn't going to be able to maintain. And uh, and then he played really well for them. He's such a leader for that line. And I want to see Dion back 100%. I mean, it was rough for him in the beginning coming off of COVID. And, uh, you know, Dion's a gamer, and, and he goes in there. But, he, you know, I think anybody watching him last year for a while, he didn't look like the same guy. And then he got better. So, uh, yeah, I think this line has potential. You know, athletically, I still don't think they're, you know. It's we, we always talk about things like screen passes and getting the line. I, I, they they're not that line as much. They're not the one that's you know you see moments of that, but they're not they're not that type of athletic line. But um, but I thought they were better at the end of the year. And again, I think I think when Browns on the field, they're a more physical, better line. And um, it'll be interesting to see. You know, with Aaron Cromer taking over now, yep. different philosophies, different looks. Um, a guy who's been a coordinator, been an offensive coordinator before. And look, Sean McDermott picked him. He and Bean picked him as the offensive line coach. There's certain things they want to see. And I believe running the ball, even though like Dan Fates, it works with me, gets all worked up when we talk about the run game. And I always say this, I'm not talking about being a running team. I'm talking about running the ball better when you need to. And I think Aaron Cromer can help them with that, and this this offensive line could be in a position to establish that earlier than they did a year ago.
0: They're obviously just trying to get the damn thing back on the tracks, you know, with the Giants clearly. But they have Joe Shane, they have Brian Dable. Um, yeah. I thought they had a tremendous draft, but again, yeah. a lot of work ahead of them uh, just to get the thing back chugging again. Do you feel good about the direction of the New York Giants?
1: Yeah, I, I you know I'm a big Day Bull fan, and um, you know as far as Joe Shane, it's it's a little bit different. I mean, I, you know we've heard the way Brandon Bean has spoken about him. He has an excellent reputation, and now he's getting his shot. We didn't really get a knowledge of how impactful he was, but if you listen to Brandon Bean, Joe Shane was vital guy for him. Yep. So that's a pretty good. You know, sign of what he can do, and I just I love the way Gable handles players. I love the way he he treats them. I love the way he builds trust, and I think that's been something missing with the Giants. Now, if you think about the building of the Bills, you know they came in Tyrod as a quarterback and tried to build up this team. And you remember that team that broke the drought? Mm-hmm. That, that was not a great
0: team. No, it wasn't.
1: But they found a way to get it done. Then they re the next year, got Josh, Jermaine Edmonds, started to build again, took a little bit of a step back, and had their guy, and then build around him. I think they're going to have to figure out pretty quickly, and I think they will, that Daniel Jones isn't the guy. Um, and if that's the case, you know, maybe he's serviceable this year, maybe he wins at some games You know, based on better coaching than they've had. You know, Joe Judge was a disaster, I thought. But uh if they do that, you could see some of that progress, and then they go get their guy in the draft next year.
0: I got a couple more for you. Um, as far as the, the, the secondary goes, and we, we talk about Elam, who obviously I, I agree with. I think he's going to be a day-one starter. Um, the safety position is, is such a concern right now because of the Jordan Poyer situation uh, and, and the future. I, I don't think any Bills fan wants to even imagine a world without Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer with what they've meant to that team. Um, yeah. How concerned two-parter, how concerned are you about the Jordan Poyer situation? Do you feel that there is a bright future because of Brandon Bean and how this, you know, this this regime sort of builds rosters?
1: Yeah, I mean, the way they play defense, the way Sean McDermott likes to play, safety is a very important position and... Look at how they got those guys. I mean, this, again, happened, you know, that first year before Bean had come in, and you get Poyer. Think about what they did that first year, bringing in Trey White and Poyer and Hyde alone just for the defense and the way they did it. But, you know, Poyer was unfair. He was kind of a nobody, right? He had been injured. He was a seventh-round pick, and then he comes in and the two of them together had just been that good. Now, look, I tell people this all the time, you know, neither are the OTAs not that big of a deal. Uh, you know, in terms of the two players, there's different reasons. I believe they're not there. I don't think Hyde needs to be there and he will be. I think has got to make a point. It'll be interesting when we get to the mandatory camp and what his stance is. I, they got to figure this out because Poyer is kind of established. He's not going to – I shouldn't say – I'm not putting words in his mouth. It doesn't appear he's going to want to play under the old deal for this last year. And I'll hear fans – I mean, I get people – we do our Buffalo Plus channel, which if anybody wants to check it out on YouTube, this is Buffalo Plus. Uh, and people respond when we talk about Poyer not being there. And they're like, he's under contract. He's got to do – Like, do you people realize the way the NFL works – we see guys with a year or two years left get cut loose. That's the way it works. He's in the last year of his deal. He's in his thirties. Like this is when he's got to get paid. So I'm wondering where they are between being Poyer in coming to a solution that gets him back on the field this year. Mike, is it, is it chuck in some money, boost up that pay for this year, but keep him on the one year deal. Is it extending? Cause Hyde's got two years left. Yeah. And again, yeah. these guys are phenomenal, but they're in their 30s. But <laughs> that being said, you're a team that could win the Super Bowl again this year. Do you really want to transition off of that? Because they didn't draft for that position this year. So, yeah, I think it's I think this is the first time they're facing this. With all respect to Jerry Hughes, who's been a great Bill, you could see that one coming all year. They had already drafted behind him multiple players and signed Von Miller. This is different. This is different. You're right. It's Poyer and Hyde. I even joked with him one time. I said, "What do you guys say?" Is it "Poyer and Hyde, Hyde and Poyer." <laughs> you know, it's been the two of them, right? Yeah. And it's the and and it's going to end at some point. And it it's strange to think will it end with one of them gone, not the other? Yeah, that's that's usually the way it happens in the NFL. Um, But for this team this year, I think he's got to figure something out and work it out with Poyer to get him back on the field uh, and get them ready for this season because those two guys are just too important to the defense.
0: Of course, I guess on the other side, you could look at it and say, well, you know what? It just doesn't matter if you're going to play a prevent defense to the boundaries with 13 Uh, seconds left with, you know, three Hall of Famers attacking you with two timeouts. It doesn't matter uh, if we have Poyer and Hyde, you know?
1: I was watching. I was flipping through the channels Memorial day weekend and NFL network comes on and it literally was right. As the bills called, there was the two minute warning fourth and 13 mm. and just watching again as a game, not just clicking through highlights or video that we have just watching as a game. First of all, what Josh Allen did was so incredible. It, it, it you know, it would go down as it will it, be one of the great times in bills history uh, other than the fact that it became one of the most crushing losses in Bill's history, but what he did. And then you watch the end of the game and in my mind, I see the timeout. I see the defense. And in my mind, like part of me is like, they're going to make, <laughs> they're going to make a play this time. They're not going to give uh, I, I, the most egregious one to me without question was to let Kelsey free. Yep. I mean, I, I kind of got how they got Hill going on that little slip screen with guys in front of them, and it's like, okay, good call, yep. like whatever. But Kelsey walking down the field Ugh. in the middle of the field with the timeout is like it – it's it's the defense you play when the other team has no timeouts left and they can't stop Correct. the clock. Correct. Yep. Not that. It's still sickening to watch, to see what they had right in front of them. And, uh, yeah, yeah, they one of the worst moments, and I've seen some bad ones, but one of the worst moments in the history of the franchise.
0: Let's wrap on this quick. I, you know, from the draft to, you know, getting Joe Brady as a quarterback coach. You know, to, uh, to Tim Settle to Saffold to the next guy and the next guy. You know, and we've talked about Elon, We talked about Shakir. You know, in the draft, you get you know the the punt god in the draft as well. Yeah. Um. I know his holding will be the story, but but boy, can he boom it. I'm looping all these people, all these things into one bucket, and that bucket for me is labeled like this, steals. I mean, do you feel the Bills stole, like they got a lot of steals in the offseason with shaping the roster up here?
1: Yeah, I think when you come at it from a place that they are with the roster that they have, um, where there's not a lot of holes, so you look at a guy, like when Gabe Davis came in, Right. They had built up that offense, and Gabe Davis was better than anticipated. uh, Khalil Shakir would be that kind of guy, right, where you've got guys. I mean, you you didn't just say, I'm drafting this rookie and I'm putting him out there. You went out and got Jameson Crowder, who's been a very effective slot guy. So my point is they aren't desperate for those new guys to be as effective um, as some other teams would be that don't have that roster. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why I say, like, Rousseau, you went out and got Von Miller. Like, and Saffold looks like he's going to be that guy for them. But, you know, they've found their way around the offensive line over the past few years. So there are are ways around that. I I would say, Elon is the guy that if he becomes that guy, he's jumping right in. The rest of them can find their role. Even Punter, (laughs) as we talk about that. Like, uh, you know, you will we'll have to see how it plays out, but it's a heck of a thing to walk out on the field with the talent that they have and see if some of these new guys can show up right away and be that impactful for them. I mean, come on. Tyler Bass was a great example of that. What an mm-hmm. upgrade in the kicking game, Oof. massive upgrade for the franchise that you saw. So it can happen. And yeah, to your point, um, <laughs> because they're not desperate, I think these guys can look like steals because in other, you made a good example of the giants. Those Mm -hmm. guys got to come in right away and show right away. Now they don't have the pressure on them that the bills do, but in terms of how effective they are on the field, it's not a particularly good team. That's all trying to prove something. The bills, I mean, they're penciled in as AFC East champs playoff team, Super Bowl favorite or contender right away. And, These other guys can be impactful, um, maybe at more of their own pace than it would be where the Bills were in, say, 2019 when they were a playoff team. This team's ready to win. They should have won last year.
0: No doubt. 13 Wham and Fox Rochester Sports Director. Over 500 Bills games covered. Our good buddy Mike Catalana, at Mike Catalana on Twitter. And, hey, go check out the Buffalo Plus YouTube channel. Go subscribe to that As well, Mike and the gang doing uh, doing great work. Mike, I always love having you on. Thank you, buddy.
1: Anytime, Mike.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.